Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. If you haven't heard Change, hit pause right now. Boot up your Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Bandcamp, whatever it is, and check out the two singles, two awesome songs. And if that isn't enough, go on YouTube. You can look up their first show from Just Another Gig, and it's just awesome. I seriously love this band. I'm really happy that they're around. I, I love what they stand for. love the message, love the lyrics, the music, everything, just like the, the whole package. It's awesome. Uh, and I, I'm really stoked that I was able to talk to ARAM on the podcast. A lot of great insight. If I'm going to be completely honest, before the podcast, I was kind of nervous because I had no real interaction with ARAM, didn't know him personally. Uh, I only knew about the two songs change had, and I just wasn't sure where the conversation was going to go, but this is just one of those times where it exceeded my expectations. The conversation was so fun and I just had such great insight. He was such a pleasure to talk to, and I'm seriously so high on this band right now. I got the record sent to me early and I've listened to it at least once a day since I got it. It's so amazing. I, I love it front to back and I'm seriously so high on this band and I'm gonna be banging this drum for everybody to stop what they're doing and go listen to Change. I feel once they, or once this whole Corona thing passes and they're able to get out and tour more and get more exposure, they're gonna be um, uh, on a lot of people's uh, favorite list because they're seriously so sick awesome music and I seriously can't praise it enough and I, I mean it when I say it if you haven't heard the band hit pause right now go check it out and then come back to the podcast and listen to this conversation because it's awesome seriously one of the most fun podcasts I've ever done it was such a pleasure talking to Aram and it just blew my mind because I, I think back to the bands that he's played in and how much I love them and the fact that I was just sitting here and just trying not to freak out and it was just mind-blowing because seriously I, I talk about on the podcast if you told Jamie from 2009 at Sound and Fury, watching Betrayed, that down the road you were going to have a podcast, you're going to have Aram on the podcast, I seriously wouldn't have believed it because it just is crazy to me that he was willing to give me his time and just answer all my questions. It was seriously so awesome, and I can't thank him enough. I seriously loved every band that he's ever been in, so I'm seriously so happy to be able to share this with you guys today. So please, without further ado, welcome Aram to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I was having coffee with some friends one night, and uh, it, it's something that we used to do. And we would uh, talk about just like current events, uh, new music that we're into. And if I remember correctly, my buddy Evan, he asked me, he's like, hey, have you heard that new song from that band Change? And I had no idea what he was talking about. And He's like, all right, cool. Like, let me send you the link. So he, he shot me the link and that's how I first um, heard about you guys. And then I started looking around and talking to people and trying to figure out who you guys were. And then sure enough, um, I talked to my buddy Devin from Rejection Pack, shout out uh, Idaho. And he kind of like filled me in on like who was singing. And I was just like, wow, like, why am I not surprised? Because like you've played in so many awesome bands. Can you talk about the 
uh, band changed the one that you front and how it all came together? Yeah, man. Uh, so first, thank you. And yeah, definitely shout out to, to Devin. He's a great, great guy. Uh, and rejection pack is sick. Um, yeah. So change, like I, the idea of change was something that was like really longstanding with me. So I played in a bunch of bands throughout the years and I'd fronted a band, um, but I always wanted to do a band that was really inspired by youth of today and uniform choice, like kind of like a, a merging of those two styles. And um, I also wanted to like bring in some stuff that would have a little bit of um, like a bit of the musicality of, of metal. So especially like thrash metal and uh, you know, throughout the years, I just kind of like written songs. I had ideas, nothing really serious. And at one point I started getting like more serious about putting together this band and initially it was me playing guitar in the band. And I wrote a bunch of songs with uh, Alex and Dave and Carl, and we had a different singer and we were working on these things or we were working on this idea. And then, you know, eventually it just got to a point where the songs had laid dormant for a long time and they laid dormant for like, you know, like, all sorts of reasons but really the basic thing was we basically abandoned all these songs and a couple of years ago i was like you know what i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna i'm gonna revive that project and i wanted to revive it for all sorts of reasons but basically at the end of the day it was like we'd worked really hard on these songs like me and dave and carl and alex had like really put a lot of effort and a lot of thought into them and um and like the writing process is actually something I'd like to talk about it if uh, if you're interested in it because it's like I've never done what we did to to work on this record. So anyways, I, I revived the project. I hit the dudes up and was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this. But at this point, like years had passed, and it wasn't like a fresh project for them. It wasn't like a new thing they'd been working on. It was like, oh yeah, those songs that we that we've been working on. So I went back and I did it and I finished it. And by the time I finished the record the other guys were like, I guess like kind of like moderately supportive of it, of it coming out. I think they were more supportive of it coming out rather than it being a band, but they also weren't like, yo, like don't do the band. So it just kind of became my band. And, um, I wasn't necessarily going to play any shows with it or anything. I, I just sent the recording over to a couple friends and the feedback was like, awesome, super supportive. Like, Hey, you need to do this. And I hadn't done a band in a really, really long time. And I was like very gun shy of like kind of getting back out there and doing it. But I was kind of, you know, like my friends really said like, hey, I think this would be good for you, you should do it. So, you know, I put a couple, I asked I asked a couple people to play on it and a couple people said, yeah, I'll come and do it. And the next thing you knew, we played a show and everyone was super psyched on the reaction of the show. And then people want to put up the record and here we are, you know, since, since, kind of like really cautiously like putting out a song and playing a show like we've gone we've toured europe we've you know done a bunch of stuff so it's been really cool so i was actually really curious about that i when i first contacted you about doing the podcast you were actually in the middle of that europe run um, how does a band who's so new whose record's not even out yet have a tour in europe Um, I don't know if we have any kind of crossover friends. I guess we have Devin, but um, I, like I don't ever do anything 
kind of halfway. I'm, I'm definitely a both feet in kind of person. So if I get, uh, if I get like a bike, I'm not just going to kind of casually ride, ride around. I'm going to like figure out what kind of bike I want to get. And then I'm going to, I'm going to do stuff. And that's also always been like a real blessing in my life is that when I do something, I'm very focused and I, and I always say like, Hey, I'm going to put all of my effort into it. And man, I, the way I look at it is like life is short and I don't want to just do a bunch of bullshit and like, just kind of like waste my life away. If I do something, I want to do something with like all of my passion and all of my heart. And so it's been a real blessing in my life because it's allowed me to do a lot of super cool stuff and really take those things very, very far, which has been great. So when I'd recorded the record, that was a point of indecision for me where I was like, uh, you know, what do I do? Cause I know if I do it, then I'm going to do it. And again, I'd gotten all this really like cool encouragement, like people calling me up and being like, Hey man, you really need to do this. Like, this is going to be good for you. Cause I've been going through like a, a very, very, really personally, very difficult time uh, for a couple of years. And, um, very much like my friend Robert in Europe, who the, he's putting the, the record out on refuse records in Europe. He was like, listen, do the record come over here, do a quick tour and just do it. Like do it the way that you would do something. So I was like, fuck it. All right, let's do it. And so Robert was like, I'll put out the record. I'm going to book the tour. It's going to be awesome. And he was like, you know, like I'm not taking any money from this. Like, you know, this is, this tour is going to lose money, but just treat it like, you know, a a fun adventure that you're going to do. So I, you know, I talked to the dudes in the band, they were cool with it. We went over, we did the tour. Um, also, like my friend Gabby, who does this fest called Can't Keep Us Down in Spain. Um, I got to be clear about that. It's like that was the first show and that like basically made us able to do the rest of the tour. So Gabby was probably like the third person I sent the recording to. And he was like, whatever you want to do, I'm going to put you on my fest. And actually this fest in Europe in front of like 700 people was our second show. So our first show was in, uh, in Tacoma and our friend Zach put it on and I guess kind of the story of the band basically is like people knew that I'd gone through this really personally like trying extremely difficult time in my life. And it was like tough. It was like a tough time in my life that kind of almost broke me and, and doing this record kind of helped bring me out of this really dark place. So anyone who heard it before it was like, before anyone knew that I was actually doing this band was like, whatever you need. So Zach put us on our first show and it was this like little fest. Uh, not little it's a great great fast in tacoma um, called just another gig and then robert was like come do this european tour and gabby was like hey like i'll put you on this show and it was just cool like i I don't know like i kind of feel like this band happened because my friends wanted it to happen and uh basically like as soon as people knew that we were doing this band and we shared the record with the promoters in europe they're like hell yeah let's do this so it was cool because we went over we didn't like we only had two singles out and we had physical copies of the record, but the record is still actually right now, not out. And it was one of the coolest tours I've ever done. Like the shows were relatively small, most of them, but like people were psyched and people were like supporting us and following us from show to show. And it was, it was nuts, man. It was like, I I toured Europe, I don't know, like over 10 times. And I put that in like the top three of the two European tours I've done. That's wild to hear. Just, just the the fact that you went all the way out there to do a tour. I, I feel like that's like a, a goal for a lot of bands is to you know go overseas and do a tour, 
in Europe, but the fact that you guys did the one show at JAG and then went out to Europe uh, is insane to me. But I, I, I can imagine, or I'm like your guys' um, expectations for the tour. Like, um, do you guys have any? Because um, obviously you're going out there, you're such a new band, and um, I, I can't imagine a lot of people were in tune with who you guys um, are or were at the time. Um, our expectations were let's just go see all our friends play with a bunch of cool bands and, and just travel Europe. It was the lowest, lowest expectations and the highest, um, the highest like experience that I've, I, I can imagine having. So like we went there and of course we knew that the show in Spain was going to be super packed, but we couldn't have expected the response we got, like people up front. Some people knew the words from the, from the singles, like we had a, um, a hundred copies of the record and we sold out of them in just like just a few minutes basically and uh it was nuts man it was just super super cool but also like that fest was kind of geared towards us and or geared it was a good situation for us because it was like a cool fest that's established the promoters like one of our best friends it was bands that like you know kind of fit within a genre that we'd be playing in. And plus it was like tons of people from all over Europe that we're really old friends with from all of our old bands. So that one was kind of like, I knew it was going to be good. Right. But the other ones were awesome. Like we played this show in Madrid after uh, our show in um, Barcelona and the show in Madrid was complete insanity. It was in this teeny little club. Nobody knew who we were except for just a couple people. And everyone went absolutely apeshit when we played. And we like headlined the show. It was our third show. And um, the rest of the tour was kind of like that. And what was really, really cool was that like, so we're this young band. We're suddenly in a position where we're basically headlining over every show we play. We didn't headline two of the shows on the tour, but we're basically headlining every show that we're playing. And what helped a lot was, first the guys in the band like all seasoned musicians so it's like chris and chris and i played in champion together for like years and years and years and so we have we just know how to do a band together and we've got like a really good relationship um but then everyone else in the band is just like a really good long-term hardcore person so um mike who also plays guitar he plays in punitive damage or punitive, punitive damages and he is uh sorry punitive damage and he has been around and playing in tons of awesome bands. He plays in this kind of like um, shoegaze band called Apple White as well. And he's been around forever. So he's a killer musician. Like he's just down to play. We've got Matt who is in Lower Species and he's in a band called uh, End of Days. And he's just like an awesome dude. Uh, he plays bass in the band. He's been around forever. And then Jeff, um, who's an odd man out in Angel Dust and Gag. Again, just like super seasoned musicians. So like part of what made the tour go so well was like everyone knows how to tour and everyone's just down to play. And like if you look at Jeff, Jeff's played shows with like thousands of people and he's played shows with like tens of people. You know, like he's played that show where there's like two people and um, same with everyone else in the band. And so like there was no ego involved. We just like went over and, and did it. So that's the first reason it was like super, the tour was super good. Um, the second, it was like, yeah, you know, we played with like we weren't out there trying to hop on some like package tour or anything like that. Like we just went out and did like a punk tour, like a hardcore tour. So we were playing with bands that were like there were bands that or people that we had known for a long time. So that was cool. But there was also just tons of new bands and young bands. 
And like part of what made the tour go well was uh, like, we didn't try and do a super comfortable tour. We just wanted to do a tour, like a real tour. So we were playing with like awesome new bands and we were like building relationships with them and having this awesome time. They were super welcoming. And the third was the kind of band that we are, like the kind of sound that we're, we're doing. There's not a ton of bands doing it, right? So like we're not doing like a style of hardcore that's kind of like overblown at this point. So I think people were kind of like, oh, cool, like a band that sounds like kind of a mashup between the Today and Uniform Choice. I want to check that out. It was great. Like it was just an awesome, awesome trip. And uh, every show was totally killer. We saw tons of cool bands and just felt good. It was a really good trip. Oh yeah, it sounds awesome. And I was looking on the internet to try to find if there was like a, a tour flyer for your guys' Euro trip, but all I could find were you know flyers for the specific shows. What, what was there ever a tour flyer made, or did you guys just go out there and just did your thing? No, there was a tour. There was like a tour poster. And it was like a like a properly like organized tour. Okay, yeah, because I, I was looking on your guys' Twitter and I couldn't find it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's no, all good. I, I, I was just curious about that. But okay, so um, was it important for your first show to um, be at JAG or um, did it just kind of happen to everything just randomly lined up that way? Well, it, so it's kind of yes to both of those. It totally randomly, like, we were just talking about like, hey, we should play a show. And Chris had set, sent the record to Zach. Um and we didn't know that just another gig was like Jag was a thing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't known to us that there was going to be a show. It was just Chris had just sent it to him because, because uh, we've known Zach for years. And dude, he was just like so instantly supportive. And he was like, yo, I'm going to do this thing and I want you guys to play. And we were like, wow, okay, well, that's awesome, man. So it was really random in the timing and it was really important. So like, I mean, anyone I think that's like listening to this kind of has an idea of like some of the like like the difficulty that that I was working through at the time, and like it made me like really like hesitant, just like plainly like just to be super upfront about it. Like I was really uh, I'd gone through a period of like really intense depression and anxiety, and which is very unusual for me. It's not that's not typically uh, the space I'm in. I've gone through a couple of years from like 2016 to 2000. 18 like really barely holding on and having a really really hard time um and at the same time i'd like started a company and like i was like running a company and like that was growing and um you know we had a kid so like i had like a ton of responsibility and it was really it would have been really easy for me to kind of like just drift away and be like yo i'm just going to close this chapter in my life but i i love hardcore and i i really love the culture of punk and hardcore i love music i love the ideas and i just felt like you know what man like i don't want to end my time here period but i certainly don't want to end my time on this note like it's just not what i want to do so when when we started thinking about playing and then zach came up and said hey let's do this it just kind of clicked for me it was like you know what man this is like this is totally right it feels right this is going to be exactly what i want to do our friends are going to be there it's in a, a place that I have a lot of history with. So when we did it, I remember getting there that day and just being like sick to my stomach. And I've played like tons of shows in my life. And of course I'm nervous between it before every show, but like this is one where I hadn't played in a long time. The band had never played a show. And in fact, this lineup of the band had only practiced a few times. So like I was nervous as hell. And, um, I think we played second and, um, 
remember being like backstage and kind of like getting warmed up and almost throwing up, like really being nervous. Uh, but I also knew that we're super supported by tons of people. Like the guy who recorded the vocals for the record was there at the side of the stage. Like my best friend was there, you know, like our people were there. And I remember getting ready to go. And I looked over at Chris, who's in champion with me, uh, Chris Williams. And Chris just like gave me this kind of like nod. And uh, I don't know if he had a lot of meaning behind it or if I was just like kind of making it this movie moment. But I just kind of was like, as soon as he did that, I just kind of felt like, all right, you know, like I'm ready to do this. And it was like, let's switch on. And we went up, we played the show and it, it, our set was like, I don't know, like 20 minutes or something, but it felt like it was literally like two minutes. And as soon as we were done, it was done. And this big weight that I'd been carrying around with me for years just was like instantly lifted. And I haven't had that weight come back since. Like I just felt like I stepped out of one chapter of my life and started another chapter of my life. So it was a pretty big, big show for me. That's crazy to hear because I like going into that set, you didn't expect that weight to be lifted. It just kind of happened after the set was finished. Yeah. Like I didn't even really realize I was still carrying the weight around. Cause like I, I've moved on in my life. Like I said, you know, like I had, um, so it was just this like crazy situation in 2016. Cause like, you know, this like really bad situation uh, kind of unfolded and it was bad and I, I didn't know what to do. And, and like, I, I just really, I just tried to do the right thing in an extremely bad situation. And I, and part of that was, was like, I, I just was stunned basically. And I had kind of, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but like I had kind of started down this path of like really like going into a bad space mentally. And so that happened. And then a few months into this like tough situation i ended up leaving my job and it, it was like you know like i parted ways with the company that i'd been at it for a long time and i started my own company and like those two things like starting the company actually like was really good for me because it let me kind of just focus on that but these two events happening were like these big unexpected events that happened all within like a couple months from each other and it really messed me up man and it messed me up super bad and i just i just kind of um, retreated into myself and over the next few years i just focused on like you know like i started a family like you know we got a home we um, started the business and i really just like retreated into myself and i stopped hanging out with people i stopped like returning phone calls i only really worked and uh, spent time with my with my family and exercise and like my whole social circle really 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 shrunk. And I've always been a guy that's like super social, um, but when you go through like a, a nightmare scenario like I was going through, it's like you realize who your friends are. And I don't say that in like a shitty way, like oh, well, I know who my friends are. Like I don't mean it like that. I mean it more like you know who's calling and saying like, hey man, are you okay? And I don't mean like the text message like. Hey man, like, how are you? Like, you know, that kind of like casual, easy thing, but like people who clearly know there's an issue and are like, Hey man, I'm with you. Like, no matter what I'm with you. And, um, so I'd shrunk my circle down like unintentionally, but down to this, like very, very few people. And I just kind of got used to carrying this weight around. So I was like seeing a therapist uh, for about a year, every single week. And I'd done a bunch of work with them and I kind of got into a place where I was like, put a lot of that anxiety away and i processed a lot of that stuff and I'd, I'd really worked through a lot of like heavy like really really heavy shit and so i kind of felt like oh you know i'm 
you know, I'm okay. Like I'm back to, I'm back to who I am. But what was really wild was like, I wasn't back to who I was at all. I had just gotten used to being isolated and I'd gotten used to this really heavy weight and I'd gotten used to like, I've gotten used to like the silence that I've gotten into my life. And I didn't even realize that I've gotten used to all of these things that were actually quite unhealthy for me. So like when we were gearing up to play the show, like, first of all, like I'd been off social media for years. And when I went, like my therapist basically was like, you, you have to go back on social media. Like you're, you're basically like you're living in this very small world right now. And in doing that, you're just protecting yourself because you're so nervous to be exposed to people again. He's like, that's not going to work for you. Like you need to like kind of go back, take steps back to who, who you are. So I'd gone back on Instagram and, you know, like kind of had this like little, little presence there. But as soon as things started happening with the band, like tons of people were like looking me up and like adding me, adding me on Instagram. And at first I got like super anxious about it. I got real nervous, but then kind of just started rolling with it again. And um, I don't know, man, like I, I just realized like, suddenly it became obvious to me i was carrying around this really heavy weight that i didn't realize i still had and there was something about playing that show and kind of like going on to the other side of something where i kind of felt like literally felt like i just like put this thing down and like went from one chapter i closed off one chapter and went back into another or went into another and i know that might sound like dramatic and like maybe a little bit tv showish but like i, I just got to say like uh, i'm not a guy that is easily shook like i like I'm, I'm very, um, like, I'm not like tough, like street fighter test, but like, I'm a pretty tough dude. Like I can like, I can take on a lot of pressure, pressure and stress. I had not realized how badly everything had done in my head until I played that show. And then I realized it's like, all right, I still have a lot of work to do, but it was, it was a really cool moment. I'm super thankful to Zach, like Zach, Zach probably doesn't realize what a big deal that was for me. And then, you know, we did that show and, and we did, you know, like we did this tour. I don't know, man. I just came back and just felt like, yo, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to do my life. Like I'm just ready to be like myself again. And so, yeah, it was a big deal. Sorry, that was a super long answer. No, no, I, I welcome that. That, that. That's awesome. I'm, you know, it, it's crazy for me because I didn't know you were going through anything like that. And this is like the first time we've ever like actually had a real conversation. And before this. I only knew you is like, you know, seeing you in your bands. Like, I, I think like the first time I ever saw you was in like 2009, you were playing uh, sound and fury with betrayed and, um, and shout out to my buddy, Andrew, who put me on to betrayed. But I, I, I just knew you as like this guy who's always in like awesome bands. And I would see you from time to time. And I didn't realize it had been so long since like the last time I, I saw you perform. And when I, I found out you were, you know, in change, I was like, all right, cool. Doing another band again. But I didn't realize there was so much stuff that happened from the last band to, to change. So it, it's crazy to hear that you went through all that, but it's awesome to hear that, you know, you play that show Jag and, uh, you know, you had all this weight lifted from you and you're moving on to the next chapter. It's, it's, it's crazy um, that playing that show was able to do that for you. And it's awesome. And so it's, it's really cool to hear that story. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I guess I'd just say to anyone who's like, you know, like, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, when, people are going through like any kind of crisis or any kind of like serious thing. It's like, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, that's kind of like, it's almost like destructive to say that to people. Cause you don't know that, you know, if it's going to be okay. And the only thing I could say to anyone is like, yo, if you're going through like a real crisis and if you're like really on the edge of things, 
all I can say is that like, you got to do the work. And I, I was just super fortunate. I had a good therapist, like a really, really great therapist who I just kind of <laughs> like kind of randomly found, you know, I did like a Google search and like found this dude, I uh, went and saw him and, and like, it was like, it was super weird. Cause he like kind of grew up in the punk scene a little bit or had some kind of connection. He knew who bad brains were. So like he wasn't without context. And, um, all I can say is like, man, you got to do the work and not everyone is fortunate enough to be able to like be able to afford a therapist, for example, but like whatever the work is, you got to go do the work. Otherwise it's like, you're going to be stuck. And I was really lucky. I, and I'm a very fortunate person. I was able to like go and see someone and work for a long time at it. But I also had this network of people who didn't, there was a, a bunch of people. And I want to be really clear. Like when I say this, I'm not like, say anything negative towards anyone who wasn't there. I want to be, I want to like celebrate people who were there. Like, you know, I had a network of people who were like, we love you. We care about you. Like you're clearly not doing okay. And we're with you. And um, I encourage anyone, like if you're going through, going through a crisis point, do the work and don't focus on the people who aren't there because they're not there for a a lot of reasons. It doesn't mean anything bad about them. And it doesn't mean anything bad about you. Focus on the people who are there. And like do the work and focus on the people who love you. And, and that's how you, that's how I believe you get through something like that. Hell yeah. That, that's awesome to hear. I feel like sometimes I don't have all the answers. So when I know somebody's going through like a rough time, I, I actually sometimes don't want to um, reach out um, with like, um, uh, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out how to put this correctly. Like, I, I want to reach out, but then at the same time, I, I want to make sure, like, I, I want to say, like, you know, truthful things. I don't want to give them the, the generic thing, like you brought up, like, oh, like everything's going to be okay, because, like you said, we're not sure if everything's going to be okay. So sometimes it's like hard for me to reach out if I don't have anything, um, like, positive or, or like what I feel is like the right thing to say. So sometimes, like, I, 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 I get like bummed out and think uh, maybe it's better off that I don't say anything. So it's just like, so sometimes it's like a hard situation for me to like reach out to people when I know they're going through a rough time because like I, I don't want to like just reach out to, uh, or like for like the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah. And like, man, like that's like, I think it's super cool you just said that because like, man, people typically don't reach out for like if people aren't reaching out usually for any bad reason it's like if someone goes through a hard time you can be pretty sure there's someone somewhere who's like yeah you know you deserve that like there's someone somewhere like who's like relishing it mm-hmm. but that's like those people are like the vast majority you usually have like a small group of people who are your tight circle who who got you and they've got you no matter what and they don't always have the right thing to say but they're gonna they're gonna be with you and I'd say for anyone, like if you know someone going through a hard time, don't don't give advice. Don't give it le- advice unless you're asked for advice. You know, like don't try and solve it unless you're asked to solve it. Instead, just like listen. Listening is the greatest thing you can do for someone who's going through a hard time. Just be there and really listen. Really be there through them, with them. Um, then you got, like I said, on the other end of that, you got people who are like, yeah, you know, you got, you're getting what you deserve. Okay, like you know what? Life is a wild trip, man. Like, you know, sometimes you're going to have people in your life that you totally didn't wrong. They're just assholes and they're relishing in your pain. But then there's other people that you probably have wronged or you factually have wronged. And you know what? Good on them. They're getting, they're getting their moment of like vindication. All right. Like I can live with that. But there's this whole other group that's kind of like right in the middle. That's a, a lot of people. And the thing about hardcore that's super wild is you, you get to know so many people. You get this idea that you have this huge circle of friends 
in reality, you have a huge circle of like really good acquaintances. And, and we could say like kind of friends acquaintances, you can maybe interchangeably use that. They're good people. They care. But like, you know, when shit gets totally real, people don't know what to do. Like they don't know. And also it's like, if you're just some like kind of casual friend with someone, are they going to call you up? Like when you're going through something crazy, like some people aren't going to do that because they just think, oh my gosh, like I can't deal with this. This is too crazy. Other people are going to be like, I don't know if they'd want me to call them up if that would be like that. And other people just, they're not, you're not on their mind. Like they have their own fucking lives. So like when people don't hit you up, not for a bad reason, usually it's, it's usually for all sorts of reasons. And the, the biggest reason being is like, they're not your super close friend. They're a friend, but they're a casual friend. And uh, that's why I just say like, if you're really, if you're really going through a hard time, focus on the people who are there, people who aren't. But also if you're someone who wants to be there for someone, don't, don't worry. You don't have to give advice. You don't have to problem solve. You just have to really listen, really, truly listen. And that's what people need. That's true. That's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm really happy you said that because I feel like sometimes, yeah, I am a better listener because I don't have all the answers uh, to everybody's situation. So that that's really awesome for you to say. And I actually have um, one friend, uh, shout out Garrett. He's like, uh, whenever I have anything to, uh, you know, complain about or if I'm going through anything, I always reach out to him or my buddy Nate and they they know to uh, just kind of let me spew it out and if they can help, they'll, you know, chime in. But if not, they, they just let me talk to them. So it's I definitely understand that situation. Yeah. Those are good friends, man. For sure. Okay. So going back to to change, um you released um you said you guys had a hundred um records um on the Euro tour. Um you guys put out two singles and then I feel like it, it just kind of stopped. Are, are there any plans to put out more singles or are you guys just going to wait to put out the entire record? Oh man. Well, um, okay. So yeah, there's a whole record coming out. So it's a 13 song record. And, um, the reason we haven't put out anything else is, well, there's two, one, the artwork for this record has been agonizingly taking, taking an agonizingly long time long time and it's still being finished like i think it's going to be finished this weekend so it's actually finished we're just getting the the final touches the second reason is this whole like crazy super virus like pandemic and one of the things we talked about was like um like i talked about just with the with the band and also with the record labels was like you know we're just a like we're a fun like we're a, a a fun band like I totally take the band seriously, but I'm not out here like I'm not a working artist, you know, like I'm not out here like touring and trying to to make a living out of it. And the record labels we're on, um, well, definitely React Records. It's it's just a, a, a record label amongst friends. Right. It's not like Evan's not trying to live off of React Records. And something we thought about was just like we were going to push the record about a month ago and be like, okay, hey, let's get this way out down and do it. But it's just things sort of um, developing and tours are being canceled and all this stuff. It was like, yeah, you know, maybe we just leave a little bit of space for uh, touring bands and for record labels where people try and make the living off of it. And it, it, that's for us is not some big, like super noble thing. It's like, dude, who cares? Like, like how many people are really going to care about our band? You know what I mean? It's like a pretty, it, we're a very, 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 very small band in a very, very, very small scene. Um, but one of the things we were talking about was like, hey, let's not take up any space right now because there are a lot of bands that are actual working bands or actual working labels that are part of our team 
um, why don't we just leave some space for that and see what happens? So we just kind of got very casual around the, about finishing the layout. And we're like, eh, we'll finish it as it finishes. And I've had a lot of people ask me about the record, like, okay, hey, when's it coming out? And at this point, it's like, listen, it's going, it's going to be probably, probably pre-orders are going to start in about a month or so. And at that point, we'll have more of a sense about what's going on uh, with the world. And if things aren't kind of back on track within a month, we'll, we will put it out um, uh, anyway. So no matter what, we are going to put it out. But we have taken a pause because the artwork was so wild, for, was such a pain in the ass, and then this whole situation with the virus. And I got to ask anyone listening to this, for the love of you know anything good, now is the time, if you have extra, invest in small businesses, invest in your coffee shop, get like gift certificate, invest in your local restaurants, like do this stuff. Like small businesses are started by brave people, people with tons of guts, tons of courage, like support them right now. That totally matters. Um, and then also like that goes for like record labels and working bands. And so like what I mean when I say a working band or a working artist, like someone who draws most of their income from what they do. Like this is the time to invest in people and businesses for sure, because without that, all of that goes away. So those are the two reasons why. Okay. And uh, are you guys, because uh, I, I know with like uh, some of the the merge and some of the stuff that I've seen, um, I, I see there's like a focus on the color purple. Is that going to um, continue with the actual like final design of the record? Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I sent you the record, right? Like you listened to it. Have you had a chance to listen to the record yet? I have. Um, I, I was going to dive into that, um, uh, but we can talk about it now if you want. Well, we don't have to talk about it now, but like okay. more like this record is like got a whole very specific vibe that I've been shooting for. And like when we start throwing around like what the record would look like, I mean, it's intended to look like something that would be on Wishing Well Records. And I kind of looked through the Wishing Well Records space and I was like, yeah, it's not a lot of purple going on there so we started focusing on purple and we got some ideas together so for purple is going to play pretty big in the whole layout okay no, that, that's awesome to hear because I, I sometimes i feel like i overanalyze like artwork and stuff so i always like you know we'll, we'll ask those kind of questions so i'm um, to hear that um, there's an actual reason behind that it, it, it's cool because uh, not a lot of people okay. probably would realize that don't over like don't think you're overanalyzing like art is meant to be overanalyzed like dude i spent so much time with layouts in the past like in my life but especially in this past little bit because like i just want this layout to be super cool so like of course i'm looking at wishing well looking at rev um, looking at discord those are like my three spaces and then i look at some stuff off creation records as well to try and get like the coolest spot possible yeah that, that's sick and uh, i i thought it was um really interesting to see that uh from the first release it's just a full-on lp like there's no demo no ep lead up you guys just went right into a full length yeah um totally and i'm already i've already been writing songs for the next record um i i don't like i'm 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 an older guy at this point like i'm you know i'm certainly like middle age at this point and uh you know I just, I kind of feel like I don't want to take up a bunch of space. Like I, I don't want to just put out, I don't want to put out a ton of releases. I just want to put out like a release here and there. And for that release to be like a full thing and it to be cool. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm real psyched about that 13 song record. 
Yeah, uh, same here. Um, so I, I guess we can speak about it now. You, you sent me the record last night, which I was totally surprised by because I, I never, uh, you know, expect anything. So when I got the email and I saw that you sent the record, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, I I, 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 I didn't even know it was going to be a full length. I, I thought, honestly, I was expecting like maybe like six songs. But when I saw like the full list and it was 13 songs, I was like, oh, this is insane. And the fact that you sent me the lyric sheet to go with it, I was like, that's even better because I, I I love that. Uh, I hate when I go to like band camps and there's like no lyrics posted and I just feel like people are lazy and I'm just like, man, people want to read your lyrics. So the fact that bands don't put them up, it's just like it grinds my gears sometimes. So you sending like you, know, you didn't have to send me the lyrics, but the fact that you did, I, I thought that was really awesome. Thanks, man. So. I think right now, um, and I, I, people are probably just going to, uh, you know, be totally clueless because not everyone has heard the record. But right now, I, I've listened to the record uh, front to back twice, like once last night and then today when I drove to the grocery store and back. Um, the, I, I feel like my favorite song right now off the entire record is uh, Response. Uh, can you talk about um, what that song means and your inspiration behind it? Hell yeah, man. Okay, so Response. Um, response is about not shirking responsibility. What, so like if someone not shirking responsibility by getting defensive or aggressive, but just being in, being in a situation and really trying to understand it and take the accountability that you have to take and not also get like crazy reactive about it. So like very specifically, like, you know, like it was written about like around around like kind of three situations that are all kind of popping off around the same time. And I really thought about it and I was like, right now I want to get like super defensive. And as I'm defensive, one of the things that happens for me is I want to get aggressive and like, you're being, you're being awful. So I'm going to be awful right back. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I just thought about it. I was like, yo, that sucks. Like that's just not how I want to be. Instead, I want to sit, look at the situation and I want to really think about it. Like, what is my part in this? And in every situation, I was like, you know what? I can see my part in it. And, and also not my part in like the most minimum stakes where I'm like, oh, you know what? I was being a total shithead there. Oh, you know what? Like, I'm clearly going against typically the kind of things I'd be telling someone else to do. I'm actually doing the opposite right here. And like, I really thought about these, these situations and it was like, yo, man. I have total accountability here and I don't, I don't like how I acted here. And so these, like in this, in these situations, I've got to own that stuff on the flip side, how on the other side of the situations is like, yo, fuck you. Like you're acting like an asshole. Like your reaction is totally shitty. And actually I'm totally, I have complete right to respond here in a awful way to you. But dude, I just feel like, especially as I've gotten a little bit older, it's like, I just don't want to be a part of that cycle of making shit worse. Like someone, like someone does something to me. So I do something to them back or someone acts a certain way. So I have to do something that saves face publicly or that, you know, humiliates them or, or makes their life worse. And it's just like, man, I, I just don't want to do that. And I'm not saying that from like some super noble, like I turned the other cheek. It's like, no, fuck those people. Like, I, like I'm super pissed off at them. I don't think they're cool. But like, I also don't want to be in a situation where it's like, I'm going to accelerate a, a bad situation and make it worse. So instead, I'm going to look at a situation, I'm going to own my behavior, I'm going to try and get better from that. And then I'm just going to let it be. I'm really going to listen to what that person was saying, either directly or through their actions, 
I'm going to take accountability for it. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to admit I'm wrong. I'm going to make the amends that I can make. And if I'm not wrong or if I'm partially wrong, I'm going to do the right things around that. But what I'm not going to do is be shitty. I'm not going to go be aggressive. I'm not going to be offensive. I'm not going to talk shit about them. And so the whole thing is about in a bad situation, my response, the response I'm choosing is peace. And like, I'm going to look at a situation, I'm going to understand it, and then I'm going to just let peace. If that means that that person got one up on me, you know, man, like we're all going to, I'm going to be dead and like whoever, whenever I'm going to pass away at some point, who the fuck a hundred years from now is going to be like, yo, remember that time that so-and-so got one over on a ram? Literally nobody will care. I will be dead, so I won't care. I don't believe in an afterlife, so I won't be like, you know, in like heaven or hell being like, oh, God damn it, they got me. Like, it doesn't actually matter. So why create more tension for myself or other people? So it's all about just letting peace exist. Someone got one, one over on you, who gives a shit? If you were being a dick, you probably deserved it. Grow and learn from it. Um, so yeah, that's what that song's about. And like, there's a line in there where it's like, you have my attention, but not my respect. It's like, and I want to be really clear. It's not about looking at someone and being like, wow, you know, I really respect you for what you did there. It's like, no, I think you're a total prick for what you did, but I'm also not going to get sucked into that space. So yeah, you've got my attention. Like I'm paying attention now. Maybe I wasn't before. So the thing you did or the thing you said definitely got my attention. It doesn't make me respect you because I think what you did was shitty, but it definitely made me look at my own actions and man, maybe I was being shitty too. And then I'm just going to let it lie. I'll make the amends I have to make. And then I'm going to let it lie. If I'm unable to make amends, then I'll make amends. Like I'll, I'll make amends by altering my behavior. So like, I just think like, especially in hardcore, like it's such a weird little small world that, you know, you can get caught up in this, like, Oh, well someone fucked me over. I got to fuck them. I got to fuck them over back. And we can do that, but it's like, yo, like in reality, that's just like continuing this stupid cycle. And I realize I can't change that. People are going to do whatever the fuck they're going to do, but I can change myself. And hopefully a song like this will like give people a little bit of, a little bit more things to think about in that space. That line that you brought up, I was going to bring up that line because when I was, uh, you know, following along uh, to the lyric sheet, when I was listening to the song, when I got to that part, I like read that and I was like, damn, I like, you know, I, I feel that because, uh, I, I used to be like a like I used to run with like a you know certain group of friends we were like hotheads and like w you know we'd be so quick to to just fight and as I've gotten older and actually learning how to fight and me realizing that that's like the last thing I want to do um like this whole song like I I totally just like I feel like I, I can like relate to it and I, I I just think it's it's an awesome message and hearing you break it down just like makes me like it even more Thanks, man. Like, I really appreciate that. And, and like what you just said there, it's like, hey, I used to be like this. And then I, I kind of want to be like that anymore. Like this song is like definitely for people who are in that kind of transitional space where they're like, yo, I, I don't know if I want this. Because like, it's not like I was some like big revenge seeking guy, <laughs> like before I wrote that song. But like, I definitely like I could be like aggressive or and especially me like passive aggressive and like just shitty. And I just like if you're in a space where you used to kind of be more aggressive at one point in your life, but you're transitioning, it's like, yo, this song is a specific message for you, which is like, nobody fucking cares 20 years or 30 years or 40 years from now. If someone got one over on you, it does not fucking matter. Like if they did something like bad, bad to you, that's a whole different other situation. But like, 
if they did some bullshit to you and it and it maybe it humiliated you and made you feel stupid or disempowered but relatively in the scope of life it's just something that kind of matters within a group of friends or within a group of, uh, within a certain scene take a step back we live in a huge world full of like people experiences communities that shit does not fucking matter so put down that weight like don't fucking worry about it and also don't look to add that weight back onto them because what the fuck does that do it doesn't do anything productive and i guess like a, a little bit like critical of the idea of like like hardcore has such like a, a cool part of it around like you know like the street side of it and i i of course love that like i love all of the like all the street side of hardcore but like you know, i'm gonna be real like i'm from calgary alberta i grew up in the suburbs i am not a street dude and like i don't have i don't have like a street code that i live by i'm i literally went to catholic school from like kindergarten until until uh the end of high school i like i didn't grow up rich i kind of grew up lower middle class but i wasn't raised to be this like vengeful fucking person and I kind of feel it's like, I don't want to, I'm not saying this about anyone else. It's just about me. It's like, dude, I don't want to put on this fucking peacock show for people where it's like someone crosses me. So I'm going to cross them back. because I have to hold up appearances. That's bullshit. And I just don't want to do it. And one of the things about hardcore that I fucking love is all the stuff you learn. But one of the things I don't like is maybe like promoting this idea that like, you got to like have revenge on people. And like, you got to like, you know, kind of shoulder up against people i, I just kind of think it's bullshit and i don't think that's true for every situation i don't think it's true for every person but i'd say for me it just seems a little fake and forced but i also if someone fucks you over it doesn't mean you have to be like oh and i see your side and i forgive you it's like no like fuck you <laughs> like you did this shitty thing and i will forgive you but it doesn't mean that i think you're like a wonderful person either so that's that's what that song's about it's uh, it's my most real expression of like I have to own it when I'm an asshole, but I also, I also am not like giving you a free pass on this. For sure. And uh, another song that stuck out to me, and I'm sure um, when people hear this, they'll f- understand what we're talking about is the, the last track on the record. It's uh, I, I thought it was going to like break out into like a crazy song, but it was just like a, a like a monologue. Can you talk about um, why you guys chose to um, end the record with that? Yeah. So, um, for anyone who is a uniform choice fan, as soon as you hear this, you're going to be like, ah, oh, this, is, this is like the last track of Screaming for Change. Um, so, yeah, I did a, like a poem at the end of the record, and uh, it's called Death. Um, the reason I did it, um, well, one, you know, like I'm heavily inspired by uniform choice. Uh, two, topically, I'm, I'm a little bit older now, so I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-40s, and going through a really tough time uh, like I did it really just sobered me up and it was like man life is fucking short life is really really short and I'm actually at this point kind of getting halfway through life and you don't know how long you're going to live I could drop dead tomorrow or I could live for another like 50 years but this idea especially when when I had uh, a daughter like my wife and I had a kid um, I really started thinking about death and of course we know about death and we know people who've passed away and sometimes they're very close to us sometimes they're just kind of people uh, in our greater world but i've never really thought about dying before like really thought about dying and it really like i, I just never really thought about the end of my life in, in a very serious way and i started thinking about like the end of my life and it was also wild because like you know 
I said, like, yeah, again, I'm in my mid forties. So it's like, I own things. I have like assets. I have all this stuff. So I had to do like a will and I had to get like life insurance and all this just kind of like really made me think like, holy fuck, I am going to die someday. And that's, that's become so much more real to me. And it's also made my willingness to waste time on things like zero, zero percent. Like I'm not going to waste my time. Like that's on response. I'm not going to waste my time. Like be thing with someone i i have done that in my life and fuck fuck that i have such limited time left i have this wonderful child that i'm so lucky to, to um, be able to to raise i have an incredible business that is doing well that i work with people that are cool i have a great group of friends like i live in an awesome city i've got like a cool band why the fuck would i ever do anything that i don't want to do so when i wrote that song um, especially the lines like death is at the edge of what I can perceive or something, sorry, something like the end of my life is at the edge of what I could perceive. Death is staring back at me. Suddenly death isn't at the edge of what I could perceive before, like, or as it was before. So like death used to be this kind of like thing that happened kind of to other people sort of, but now I just really realized like, holy shit, I'm going to die. And I realized it in like a much more profound way. And it doesn't scare me. It just makes me unwilling to waste an absolute second of my life. Like I am not interested in getting wasted. I'm not interested in beefing with people. I'm not interested in going to a show I don't want to go to. I'm not interested in reading a book that sucks. I'm only interested in doing things that fill up my cup. And that's what that whole thing's about. And I, that's probably the, the thing I'm almost the most passionate about here is like, Yo, your life is going to end and everybody should take your take their lives like really fucking seriously and invest in the things that fill up their cup. That's awesome to hear. I uh, feel like um, for me, I used to work like three jobs and it was by choice. I, I had like two full time jobs and one like part time job. And like in that time, I only had like one day off the entire week. So like my time to like actually enjoy my life was like super limited and yeah. and i i just kind of realized i was like i'm like you know doing all this work um you know working really hard and like i have very limited time to actually enjoy the things that i love so i i became like really aware of um how precious time actually is like you can't really get back time wasted so um i i just started to just cut out all the bullshit things that i didn't enjoy if i didn't like 100 percent want to do something or enjoy it like i, I wouldn't do it and, and, and a lot of people like a lot of my friends at the time thought i was like you know being a dick or i just they, they couldn't see it from like my perspective but i'm just like you guys don't understand like it's 24 hours in a day it's really limited and like i don't have a lot of time to actually um to enjoy the things that i love so it's like you can't hate me for uh not wanting to do every little thing so it's just like you know just try to understand like where i'm coming from and uh, and and move fast forward to now, like I, I'm back down to my one full time job, and I'm happy that I still have a job. And I, I just still I still have that mindset. Like if I'm not if, if my heart's not in it and I don't want to do it, like I'm not going to do it just because I, I can't get back time just to go bullshit or um, you know do things that aren't going to make me happy or like you know feel fulfilled. Yeah, man. Yes, and like, dude, I, I love to hear that you're saying that. Like, first of all, like that's crazy. You had so many jobs. Like that's nuts man. <laughs> I, I hope that you got some cool shit from that look i hope you you know were able to like do some cool stuff with whatever funds you got from it but um man like wasting time is 
is wild. So like as an example, sitting around on a couch and watching Netflix and eating ice cream, like someone might consider that wasting time. But you know, if you're really enjoying it and you're you're watching a show that you like or you're just enjoying being with someone or you just like relaxing, that's not wasted time. That's enjoying life. That's cool. But if you're doing shit out of duty that you're like, oh yeah, you know, I gotta do this thing. It's like, oh I gotta hang out with these people. It's like, no, man, like that don't don't do that. Like if you have relationships that aren't working for you anymore, so people that you've been friends with forever, but you realize you don't really like hanging out with them, then wrap it up, man. You don't have to be a dick. You don't have to have a fight with them about it, but just wrap it up. Go do something else with your life. Make new friends. Like don't hold on to things like systems and relationships and ways of being that don't represent who you are now. And like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm giving... I don't want to like give people a bunch of advice that I, that has suddenly dawned on me. Cause like, I don't think I am, I'm any kind of like archetype for like a good or successful person. I'm just who I am. But like, I look at my life and I, and, and I've spent time with relationships, like romantic relationships and friendships and doing things where I'm like, you know, that was super cool for X amount of time. But at this point, that person and me, we stopped enjoying that. Like we stopped enjoying each other's company or we didn't work well as a couple or or the friendship kind of dwindled, but we stayed in it for so long. Like, you know what, man, like that's time you're never going to get back. That is something that like I can look back and say, like, I regret wasting time in in situations that weren't, weren't good. So I I really like, I encourage anyone, I'm not saying like, you know, like I, I'm like some kind of archetype of like of a successful person. But what I will say is like whatever's success in life for you, you should go after that and let go of anything that doesn't represent that to you today. Oh yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. Um, one thing I, I was curious about the band. I, I know uh, members are split up in different areas. Is it fair to categorize uh, changes uh, like a? a Pacific Northwest band or is that not fair to where you're from? Oh no, it's totally fair. Pacific Northwest. Like, so, um, <laughs> Vancouver, Vancouver kind of gets, even though for us, it would be the Southwest. We get pulled into the Pacific Northwest and, uh, I'm totally cool with that. Like I, I know geographically it doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, like we're Pacific Northwest hardcore, like, um, and, uh, three members live in like kind of the greater greater Seattle area and then two of us live in Vancouver and uh yeah so we're definitely Northwest Hardcore okay because I, I always like to uh like remind people that there's an awesome scene up there because I, I I know and I always say this all the time uh, whenever it gets brought up but like uh, not a lot of uh, tours like make it up there and um obviously Rainfest doesn't happen anymore so um there's not a lot of shine um on a fest being up there, but I think um, it's cool that Jag happened because um, that brought a lot of attention back to the area, and it kind of like I feel like opened up like a lot of people's eyes again and made people realize like, hey, there's still an awesome scene up here. There's still amazing bands going on just because there's not a uh, big fest happening up there anymore. Like, uh, you know, that doesn't mean the scene went away. It's like there's always been like since I've been in hardcore, there's always been awesome bands coming out from that area. So it's um, for me, I, I'm always happy to be able to, uh, you know. Uh, talk positively about um the pacific northwest and like you know tell people about bands from that area thanks man that's that's really cool of you and uh, i love the scene up here um you know for a long time it kind of you know like scenes get kind of known for a certain kind of sound and then 
you're, you got your next generation that either embraces that or goes against that. And like, you know, Northwest for a period really got known for kind of like melodic hardcore and stuff that's like maybe like champion or champion influenced. And you could see all the generations of people that had a reaction to that. Like, oh, we're not like that. We're like this. And like, I kind of love that whole, I love that. I love the, I love that whole thing. And where it's like, you can see scenes like having a sound and then other bands from that scene reacting to that sound, either like supporting it or pushing away from it. And like, you could see this whole like ecosystem of bands popping up. And I'd say the Northwest is really cool because there's just such a variety of like really interesting, super cool, uh, um, like independent music. And I say independent music because it's like, you know, punk, hardcore, like indie rock, like all the shooting like all of this stuff is, is like, it's just such a flourishing, really interesting scene. And sometimes I love that it's not noticed, like, because then you get that one band that kind of becomes like the flag bearer for, for the space. And like, you know, suddenly all these cool bands get to go along with that. So it's, it's neat being part of it. And it's been, I find myself to be really fortunate that I've been able to be a part or witness multiple waves of cool bands come from this scene from come from Vancouver and Seattle. And sometimes I get to be in that band and other times I get to just like watch them. And it's been really awesome to, to see it evolve. And of course, thank you like for being so supportive of it. Hell yeah. And uh, how far away are you from Calgary? Cause I'm not really like, you know, too versed in, um, in like uh, Canadian geography. I am 12 hours east. So I'm 12 hours west. Calgary's 12 hours east from here. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's kind of far. I, and the reason I bring it up is um, uh, you mentioned you um, grew up there, which I had no idea about, but uh, Change was slated to play Wild Rose, and that happens um, up in Calgary. So uh, it was such a bummer that they had to um, postpone or, or cancel. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, huge bummer. And like, so growing up in Calgary, Calgary is an interesting place because like in like the late 70s and then kind of like early to mid 80s there was actually a really good punk scene there was this place called the calgary manor um that's in another state of mind uh, the movie another state of mind and it was like a punk stopping place like because you know the borders back then were super easy punk bands would come up play vancouver play calgary play winnipeg and then head back down uh, into the states so like calgary had this super cool scene um that was just done by like punks and skaters and then it kind of died away when this like really legendary band called beyond possession, when they finished the scene kind of like died out. There were still some bands for sure, but then it kind of, you know, like it got like kind of weird and grungy for a while. Like there was like these grunge bands that were all, they were all okay. They were fine. And that's kind of when I came up was on the tail end of like beyond possession and then into these kind of like grunge bands. And it was weird because like they didn't really represent the kind of music that I liked but it was live, like it was like live bands and like a punk scene, punkish kind of scene. So like I'd go to all these shows, you know? And, um, but it was like when real hardcore started coming back, it was totally done like by the kids as it should be, right? And like all of these kids were like, you know, like putting on shows in basements suddenly and like doing all this stuff. But in my time in hardcore, like real hardcore in Vancouver, it was always very small, like really, really, really small. And we didn't have like a lot of big bands coming through. Like when a big-ish band would come through, it'd be like, holy shit, like that's the biggest deal. Um, And then so either it'd be like super small bands would come through uh, or 
like huge bands would come through, like Hatebreed came through with Motorhead and it was like insane. Um, but when I moved, this whole other generation of kids over the years started doing like things on a bigger level. And it's pretty cool. Like Wild Rose is like, that's a serious festival and it's really well done and it's got like cool bands on it. And it's just neat for me, like, you know, I, I spent like many, many years, like part of building up the scene out there. And it was always just very, very small. These kids have like done some really, really cool stuff. And it's just like the power of people working on things. So Wild Rose is sick. And before that, there was a festival called Garbage Days um, that was really cool too. And I don't know if they still do that one, but it's just neat to be able to see like what, what people have built in a place that's like legitimately far from anything. Cause like there's no quick trip to Calgary. <laughs> Calgary's kind of in the middle of like very long drives. And these people were like, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to build it. And they built it. So kudos to them. Yeah. It's really awesome that uh, the, the, some of the bigger bands from the States are, you know, willing to travel uh, across the border and play a fest like that especially um like you know for like probably not their like you know normal audience so i i always think it's cool that there's something like that going on because there's a, a bunch of good bands from canada that i'm into and i'm sure there's a ton of bands from canada that i don't even know about just because of uh, where i'm at and like my exposure to their scenes um so i, I always try to do my best to uh, you know support um the bands from canada and just let them know that even though we're over here in america um you know i, I feel like there's still great bands on um, that side of north america oh yeah awesome man Okay, so I want to take this way back to the beginning of the conversation. You had mentioned the writing process for uh, the, the um, record, and I, I was just curious um, if you could actually talk about that because I am curious because I, I love to um, hear like you know how things get put together. So um, if, if you're willing to, to talk about it, still, I'm, I'm down to listen. Yeah, definitely for sure. So when I started writing records, uh, and primarily like most records that I've been a part of, I've done. A significant a significant amount or most of the writing and um that would be like music and lyrics and not every band for sure like so when i was in tfs i i did a little bit of writing but not a not a ton um, that was mostly aaron and i had nothing to do with the lyrics so it was steve um and keep it clear i had nothing to do with either one of them but beyond that like most of the bands i've been in have been like real involved in the writing process and it wasn't, I don't know, like when I was in like Champion and, and all these bands, there wasn't a ton of thought put into it. It was just like, hey, you know, the thing I always talk about with Champion was like, oh, I want to I wanna do Chain of Strength vagueness. So like I wanted everything lyrically to be kind of vague the way Chain of Strength was so it could be applicable to like most people's lives. Like you're kind of talking about the eternal you, like you, you did this or you let me down, you know, like, and like it was like, thought to be I wanted to do it so that it could be very applicable to people's lives but champion was just like you know I was younger I didn't quite know how to write songs and I just did my best take at the time of chain of strength but then also with more of like a, a, a more of a little bit of a modern twist I felt like you know it's fine it's, it's fine I'm happy with those songs um, and I wrote the majority of the lyrics like almost all the lyrics for champion and again like it was like very it, the only thing that was real intentional was that it was like kind of chain of strength vague, but like beyond that, I was just writing about like whatever life stuff. Um, and other bands I've been in, it's kind of always progressed. 
But something that like really helped me out was like playing in TFS. Like Aaron is a very good songwriter, and Aaron's like a really thought out songwriter. Like so, Aaron was a guitar player at TFS, and I learned a lot about how he would approach a song. And he's like really like would look at a song and he'd like think about it, not just like oh you did today this did this. He would be like oh actually the Beatles did this, and he would talk about parts. And so he had a bunch of that already, and you can hear that in his songwriting from like. Um, the first TFS EP, and like you could be like, oh, he he was he ripped off that part from Instead, or like he was influenced by this or that. But you could also like tell like there's some deeper stuff going on. And what really stood out to me about like TFS very specifically is like early TFS, so before the LP, the bass and the drums were really locked in, and that reminded me a lot of TFS or of uh, Youth of Today. And I started noticing like how the bass and the drums played together. So anyways, when Aaron went on to do what we know, uh, Walter uh, from you know, GB and Youth of Today produced that record. And Aaron learned a ton from Walter. And he brought a lot of that philosophy of the TFS, like when I was in the band. And then he also brought it into Union of Faith. And so like just the way that Aaron looks at a song, it's like very, um, it's like you put your hardcore influences last. And you'd be looking at like, you know, kind of historically, like how would blues work or how would like Black Sabbath write a song? And you'd be like really looking at like the way that instruments connect. And the last thing you're really thinking about is like the structure of the song. You're thinking more about how does the, how does the bass work with the drums? And the thing that like really keyed me in on this was like the way the bass works with the drums, that and even if like both of them are very minimalist, that's like how you write a cool song is how the bass works with the drums. And, and I think that goes across like most forms of music. So when Aaron kind of like started keying me in on how he writes songs, it started really impacting how I write songs. And so I didn't have a lot to do with the songwriting. Uh, with TFS, I only played on three songs and kind of, kind of, you know, helped form a couple of those ideas, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a lot. But when we did Union of Faith, like I was like, it was where I felt like I was starting to get to my peak as a songwriter. So like that Union of Faith demo is like, 50% Aaron, 50% me in terms of like bringing ideas together around, around writing. And it was cool because like I'd learned so much from playing with him that like it re and he'd learned a lot from playing with Walter that it really changed the way that I thought about writing songs. So when it came to the change record, um, I knew I wanted to do something that was like many, many steps above what I'd done as a songwriter. And Union of Faith had really helped with that because it had that in itself is like really changed the way that I approached writing songs and playing in TFS had radically changed the way I thought about playing songs. So uh, with change, I was lucky that I was the worst musician out of the whole band. Cause I'm not, I'm actually like not a very good musician. I'm not a great song or I'm not a great guitar player. I'm a pretty good bass player, but I'm, I'm pretty limited as a musician. But what I am good at is um, writing a song. And so when we started writing the songs, like the thing that I really focused on is how the bass works with the drums. And if you listen to the LP, even if what the bass and the drums are doing is pretty minimal, it's like very locked in. Like I, and like every single song, I focus bass and drums, bass and drums, bass and drums. And at one point, our drummer one day was like, you know, Ram, like, I kind of feel like you're asking me to overplay here. And I was like, yeah, man, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. Like, if you listen to like a lot of cool, like jazz records or like, you know, um, like a, a great jazz record is like really the stuff the drums can do can be almost like totally insane. Like, whoa, that's too much. So I, I really focused on that. And 
I really thought about like youth of today, we're not this alone. Like if you listen to the bass and the drums, you could seriously pull away away most of the other stuff. Like pull away the vocals, pull away the lyrics or the the guitars. If you just listen to the bass and drums, like Walter and Sammy did an insane job on that record. So I started with the bass and drums in most songs. I had to have an idea, like here's the riff. And any kind of given hardcore riff is pretty, pretty fucking boring, right? Because it's all been done before. So like I'd have the riff, but then I'd focus in on what the bass and the drums would do. And Alex and Carl, so Alex played drums on the record and Carl uh, played bass. They're like insane musicians. So I would just be like, do this, do that, try this, try that. Or like, hey, like what's your best take on this? And it wasn't like me like programming a drum machine. Like Alex totally did his own thing, but I was like, I was relentless on how the bass and the drums were in every single song. So that was the first step. Like I took a totally different approach where it wasn't like writing a guitar riff and then just being like, okay, everyone play along with this. It's like, here's the riff. Now let's talk about like the, the backdrop of it. So we did that. But then also like every single song was probably rewritten and rewritten like four or five times. Like we'd write a song and then we'd be like, okay, let's try it in a different key. Okay. Let's try changing keys at this part. All right let's try slowing the song down. All right, let's try speeding it up. Like we tried all the songs in different formats and we pull out parts and we try different parts. And I was super exacting. Like every single song, I wanted to feel like every single part added to the song and it wasn't just like a placeholder. So like every song went through a bunch of different versions and then we demoed the songs. And then um, I sent the demo to some friends and I got their feedback on the demos. Like um, I sent them to a bunch of people that I played in bands with before, but I also sent like demos out to uh, people that I hadn't played in bands with before, but I felt were great songwriters. And one of those people gave me like really great notes, like, Hey, you know, you should think about this and this part and you should think about that. And it was great. Like, so like I broke all those down. So we, we gambled it a, a number of times. And then when we recorded it, we recorded it with this guy named Jesse Gander uh, in Vancouver. And he does um, uh, Raid City Recorders. And Jesse is like a serious, like very serious engineer. He's like unreal. So we were in a super cool room. We sunk money into it. We spent time on it. And like Jesse didn't like he gave like some kind of general ideas. But the thing with Jesse is like he's very well musically versed and he he records a lot of different kinds of bands. So like if I shot an idea at him, he could usually play with that idea and be like, yeah, like that's, yeah, that would work. And so like we were doing shit while we were recording. It's like, hey, Alex, like stop what you just did there. Play that drum beat backwards. So play it in the opposite order that you just played it. And Alex would be like, I don't, I don't know if that works musically. And he'd be like, let's just do it. Like just do it and let's see what happens. So there's a lot of experimenting that happened in the studio. And then finally, like when we finished the like the musical side of the record, like the record kind of lay dormant, as I said earlier, for like a long time. But then when I went to go back to go to do the vocals, I went to my friend of Render's studio. And of Render is like a dude out here who's like a hardcore guy. He's played in a lot of bands. Really cool dude. Um, of Render loves hardcore. So we would sit down and we would like start recording the vocals and we would like listen to other bands and we try different ideas. It was exacting and it took a long time to do the vocals. And I probably wrote for each song, two to three sets of lyrics that I would like change and go through. And like, there's no exaggeration here. I recorded the entire record with vocals and then actually rewrote of all of the songs. I think I rewrote 10, no, nine out of the 13 songs. I totally rewrote the lyrics at least once and for some of them I rewrote them twice and I was like moving one word here and changing another word there 
So like it was exacting to the point where I was like, I could not make this record better than it is right now. It's exactly how I want it to be. And I remember at what point the guitar player, Dave, who recorded on the record, um, I had brought him back in to do a bunch of like solos and like, I was being, and it was like one of those moments in the studio where like the tension was super high because at this point now I'd like recorded the vocals and these were like kind of like the last things I wanted to change or I wanted to add. And Dave and I were in the studio and I'd be like, yo, okay, for this solo, I want you to think like Megadeth meets Warzone and maybe add in a little bit of like uniform choice. Dave would be like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I know those bands. I listen to those bands. But, like, you're just talking in such vague terms. And I'd be like, just do it. And so he'd do it, and I'd be like, nah, like, maybe, like, make it, make it like, 10% more Megadeth. And he'd be like, these are just, like, random terms. They're like, you're, what are you talking about? But I just kept pushing it and pushing it. And, like, yeah, we, like, got into a huge argument. Well, almost a huge argument in the studio. Like, it was, like, really exacting. The whole point of the story, and I know it's, like, a long explanation, is, like, this record was not like, oh, let's write a bunch of songs and go do it. Like it was like very thought out. It was really approached from like a fan of music. Like I'm a fan of hardcore. I love hardcore. And like, I just wanted to write a hardcore record that I would actually personally listen to. So anyways, I went through this huge process. I got the whole thing done, wrap up the recording. And when Jesse um, did the final mix, he's like, there you go, man. Man, you know, that's fantastic. And it's, it's still under 20 minutes. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's, the record is like 19, just over 19 minutes. And Jesse, when he tells the story, he always laughs because he's like, all the color drained out of your face. He's like, you just spent like years of your life and countless hours focusing on this fucking record. And it's only 19 minutes long. So it's like a 19 minute record, but it's got like hundreds of hours of thought and intention. And uh, if I ever record another record, it will be exact same. It was the coolest process, and I couldn't have been, I couldn't be more happy with the song until they came out. That was a great answer. I I love to hear that behind the scenes stuff, and uh, just knowing that there was so much effort put into the songs is definitely amazing to hear. Because when I was uh, listening to the record for the first time, obviously I, I was familiar with the two singles that that had come out, and then when I got to the parts of the record where you know I was like in uncharted territory, hearing new songs for the first time, I was just really really impressed. I was like, okay, this record needs to come out. Like people need to hear this because right now. Um, I think back to bands like uh, like Mindset was probably like the last band that I, I that comes to mind that was like you know like they just had like that super like positive vibe with like an actual message and then they broke up unfortunately I missed that band a lot uh, but then I, I listened to you guys and I was like man this is like gonna fill that void that I've been missing like just like an awesome band with just like lyrical content is amazing just the music is like top notch so I, it's really awesome to hear like that you guys actually put like you know that much like work into the record because not a lot of people get to hear that kind of stuff. People just, um, you know, uh, you know, go on Spotify or pop in the record or the vinyl and just like listen. And like, I, I don't think people understand or will even know uh, until they listen to this, like how much like work was put into it. So it's really awesome to hear. Dude, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Would you mind if I talked about the lyrics just a little bit? Oh, um, go ahead. Okay. Um, so lyrically, um, the way that I wrote the lyrics, it's intended like 100% for like just someone who's a casual listener of hardcore, they should be like, oh yeah, like thematically, this is like normal hardcore. You know, there's songs about like kind of personal growth and there's songs about kind of, there's songs about animal rights and there's songs about like being a better person. 
so it's intended to kind of fit within the like the lexicon of what you'd expect out of that kind of stuff for sure like without a doubt i want you to be able to listen to like instead or uniform choice and then listen to this and be like yeah that makes sense so someone might listen to the lyrics and be like oh yeah this is just some like basic stuff for sure you know like i and, and you can leave it at that and for someone who might dismiss that dismiss it because of that that's totally cool or for someone who's just like kind of into casually listening to it that's totally cool like that's that's fine um for me there's like a real art about writing something that is deeply meaningful for you and that has like a lot of like pain and thought and intention behind but writing it in an extremely simple way and this record like i would say from the, the themes that i hit on each song it's like hands down the most personal thing i have ever written every single song is about my life and it's about something that i was going through but it's intended to be writing on one level as just like totally really like applicable like oh yeah you know, like this this is a theme about life and it makes sense and the other side it's supposed to be like a confessional and be like yeah i actually really went went through this thing and here's the way that i processed it and came out the other side of it and of the 13 songs these are all things that i actually like had to process and deal with and think about and it's almost like my and this is what i came out of this thing on, on the other end and like you know like you could look at a, a band like embrace and embrace is like that record is probably like it's one of my favorite records definitely my top five the lyrics on that record are incredible and i would love to try i'm trying to i was trying to get like the same depth of thought but in a very simple format in a like a format that's intended to be like you know like kind of yelled by people who are stage diving you know like and uh, the amount of effort that went into this record, like lyrically is like supreme. I've never, ever, ever, ever worked harder. And most people, when they talk to me about my lyrics, they usually talk about Betrayed. And the thing is about Betrayed lyrics is like, the music of Betrayed was more supportive of writing lyrics that were more expressive in that way. This is a more confined format, the type of band that changes. So like the idea of writing things in such a simple format, but that actually like register with greater depth is like an incredibly hard thing to do for at least for me, it was very hard to do. So when anyone listens to this, like, yeah, if you're psyched, like, yeah, this is like fun single on hardcore. Awesome. Like you could leave it there and that's totally cool. Or you could be like, Hey, like there's some good, like thoughts about life here that I want to consider. Okay, cool. That's great. Or it could be like, damn, this dude went through some like hell and back. He went through a really hard time of his life and this is what he wrote about and these are the things about that and anyone who knows me can tell you from song to song to song like that's about this that's about that that's about that because there's like key words and certain phrases that might just be like to anyone else would be generic but if you knew me you know what that use of that word specifically means i don't expect people to like you know, do something like thesis study on this. Like, it's not that good of a record, you know? It's not like going to be like, you know, some record that people are going to write a, a paper on. Um, but it is, there's a lot of depth there in the lyrics for people who are interested in looking for it. It's great. I definitely love it. I look at it and I, I, I and I look at um, the different songs and I, I can tell, uh, you know, especially after you, um, you know, mentioning it, that uh, I, you did get pretty personal with the lyrics. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And uh, I'm definitely like, you know, I, I can't wait till everybody else has a chance to hear it so they can like, you know, fully understand what we're talking about. Thanks, man. 
And just a, a couple quick things. You mentioned um, uh, briefly uh, Union of Faith. I had no idea you were in that band. And because I, I feel like that, that band was just so like short lived, like that that demo came out and I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And and then I, I think you guys might have played like a show or two. And then it, it just kind of like went silent. I, and I would never knew like what happened to that band. Um, so Union of Faith was the original lineup of TFS plus me. So it was like, Aaron from TFS, Steve from TFS, Izzy from TFS, and then me, who was like a later era member of TFS. And they had been kind of kicking around some ideas about like doing a band. And then, you know, I played with those dudes for years and they had uh, had another member of TFS playing with them for a bit on bass. And they asked me to come in and it was kind of like tumultuous ups and downs about doing it. So anyways, we recorded and then we played about five shows. And then, you know, 2016 hit, you know, like it just kind of changed the landscape of not just my life, but it changed the landscape of like who you want to play with and who you're comfortable about playing with and who you're going to play music with. And it raised a lot of questions uh, about like for all of us about just like, hey, what do you want to do musically? Like, how do you want to how do you want to carry yourself forth musically? And so the band went on pause and, and like pause is kind of like a dramatic word. I don't think it just kind of stopped we didn't break up and um for a long time we were just silent on it and people are always like yo that demo is sick like you guys should do more da 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 so long story short uh aaron starts initiating like hey we should play together again so we started playing together and uh, we tried a few different drummers um we had fred who was like later era tfs drummer for a while and then um we had aaron uh aaron who is in lights out and and other just incredible bands. Um, so Aaron came in and we actually recorded us. We recorded an EP and the EP does not sound anything like the demo. It's like more along the lines of kind of like right to spring ish or embrace. And it is sick. It is so sick. Like I love the songs. Um, but Aaron is legitimately uh, like a genius and I love him. And I think he's a super cool dude uh, in a lot of ways. And Aaron is also like, challenging to play with and challenging to play with doesn't mean he's a bad guy actually he's a fucking awesome guy but like we went into the studio and like it just clearly was a difficult session for him and it created a lot of tension and the tension kind of like blew not blew up but it just like the band just again kind of ended and i don't know so we've got this record it might come out it might not come out um where it stands now it's like we're not talking about the band and some of us are still not like actually talking <laughs> so i don't know what's gonna happen all i could say is like we're all still friends in the in the in the center like we all still care and hardcore is full of characters man and some of those characters can be very difficult and in those times all you can say is like i love my friends um if this record comes out that'll be totally sick if it doesn't it's, i still love my friends for sure that's awesome i i would like to hear the record at some point but who knows um maybe if it doesn't come out maybe it's just better off that way but it, it, now that you mentioned that there's like a new record and that it's awesome songs i'm just like now i'm like like super curious to hear what it sounds like yeah well fuck me too man it's been a, it's been a long time and also i just want to i don't want to make it sound like aaron's like some like total dick because aaron is actually like super cool and i fucking love aaron but like anyone who's like a true musical 
genius. And Aaron, Aaron is basically, I don't know if genius might be too far, but Aaron is like a really, really talented person. When you're full of that much talent, it, it could kind of make you a little like, you know, it can be a little, little tough to play with sometimes. So, you know, I'll just put it this way that like playing with Aaron has made me a much better musician and certainly a much better songwriter. I love the dude. I love the times we spent together. And if the record never came, record never comes out, I'm cool with it. Um, because I aired my friend and that's all that matters. And I would like the record to come out and I hope, I hope it all kind of. I hope it goes the right way. Uh, one person that you've been in a band with that I'm always curious about is uh, Todd Jones. I, I feel like mm-hmm. uh, like him playing that style of hardcore is awesome. Like Nails is cool too. I love what he did with Terror, and I, I love Betrayed. So I, I was just curious. I'm like, uh, how is it being in a band with Todd Jones? Um, being in a band with Todd is it's got lots of highs and lots of lows. Uh, so Todd is, I can actually say very comfortably, I've called Todd a musical genius. Um, and maybe even just a genius in a lot of ways. He's incredibly smart, um, really creative. His drive is like wild. If he does something, he'll do it and it will almost inevitably be totally awesome. The thing with Todd is he's got a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And when he's on a high and he's loving the world and he's loving people, it's awesome. Like he's super generous and he's like, he's great. When he's not that, it is awful. And it's just terrible. And that doesn't, again, to be clear, it doesn't make him a bad guy. You know, like Todd has just a lot of incredible qualities. But when he's not feeling something, he's not going to fake it either. Like if he doesn't want to do something, he'll never do it for like the greater good or do it for other people. He'll just be like, fuck no, I'm not doing this. And what I like and admire about Todd is he won't do anything he doesn't want to do. And if he doesn't want to do it, he has no problem inconveniencing other people and just being like, nope, not going to do it. And there's like a real honesty in that. And I like that honesty about him. And it's been a fucking pain in the ass multiple times. But like, I like that honesty about him. Um, so being playing in a band with Todd, I'd say net, it's mostly, I can say mostly positive stuff about playing in the band with, with Todd. Um, I'm happy I don't play with the band with them now and I don't anticipate we'll ever play in a band together again. Um, I wish Todd all the best. Like we, we don't have like an active friendship. It's like, I'd say it's like, it's one of those relationships where it's more like a casual friendship. Like, fuck, I wish that guy well. I think he's, you know, got a lot of really good stuff going on. He's got a great family. He's a good family man. That's cool. Um, I could do the rest of my life without being in a practice space with him ever again. I think that would be like really healthy for both of us. And yeah, I just, I wish him well. If I see him, I'm sure we'll have a fucking awesome conversation. And Nails is like beyond sick, super cool. I love the dudes in the band. I love every single record. And any new new Nails record is going to be fucking awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that. I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, but uh, wrapping it up uh, with change, I, I know this whole uh, pandemic right now has um, hindered everyone's plans when it comes to hardcore um, but going forward, um, I'm hoping we recover. Uh, do you guys have plans to play more shows in the U S cause I, I know you guys did that run with uh, punitive damage and scowl. Um, and I, I would, was hoping that you guys would have made it down to the, um, like, you know, Southern California. Um, but do you guys have plans to do more shows, um, in the United States or, um, you guys haven't gone that far yet because of what's going on? Oh, we do for sure. So, um, in the fall, we are supposed to go back to Europe again. Oh. Um, 
we'll see if that happens. But um, yeah, in October, we're supposed to go back October, November for about a two week period. And of course, like tour on the record and that will be more of a proper tour. And then we are supposed to go to Southern California again, when things clear up. So we just did a bunch of shows with uh, Scowl and Unit of Damage in Berthold City. And the guys from Berthold City are like old friends of ours. Um, and so we're supposed to go down and do a weekend with them in Southern California. And then we're supposed to go out east and do some shows, like just a short run of shows. I'd say like our touring is, like we're gonna tour on this record. All our tours will be short, but like we're definitely going out on this record. like. 100 percent. so like we've talked to people basically like all over the world about doing stuff um yeah and so like we're gonna do it but i also just like again like you know like i'm not out here trying to be in like a band like a band band and like you know like build up some band profile it's like i just want to do cool shit i want to see my friends i want to play with some sick bands i want to go to record stores i want to go to good restaurants eat some cool vegan food like i'm definitely past the time of my life where i'm like trying to like quote unquote do a band i'm just trying to like be a part of, of a community that i like love and i love the music i love the ideas i want to be a part of that and i also feel like when you're an older person in the band and especially like um someone like me or chris like we had our time you know like we had our moment where we got to play like the the fests and we got to do the tours and we got to be on like we got to like tour with agnostic front like we got to do all that cool shit and I love that we're still able to be active and do stuff. And I'm super cool now if we play a show to like 30 people, like that's cool, like that's fucking awesome. Like there's 30 people that care, that's great. And I don't have any expectations of it beyond that because a lot of those cool opportunities and a lot of those cool, like playing on that cool fest or doing that cool, like that tour with Agnostic Front or doing this or that, as an older dude in a band, I'm not like trying to like capture that crown. I, I feel like that should go to people who now is their time there's a lot of bands where now is their time like a band like um one step closer now is their time that band is sick they deserve the shot the slots on the festivals they deserve the 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 cool tours like they've worked hard they wrote a sick record it's their time and i think there's like a real discipline about being an older dude or an older person in the band which is like at least for me it's like don't go in with big expectations like i'm not trying to re do a reunion with one of my old bands i'm trying to do a new band and that's not a commentary on old bands and what they should or shouldn't do. It's just that I'm not interested in doing reunion stuff right now. I did that with Betrayed and it was cool. Um, I'm trying to do a new band, doing a new band as a person who's been around for a long time in the scene. You gotta level set your expectations, or at least I believe it's like my expectations are, I'm just psyched that people think we're worthy of playing any show. And if we're worthy of playing that show, that means that there's some level of interest. If there's some level of interest, that means there's some relevance in what we're doing. And that's fucking cool to be able to still have some level of relevance when you've been playing within a scene for like 30 years. That's fucking awesome. Like, I'm super lucky for that. So um, I really encourage anyone listening to this, like the bands that now is their time. Like, fuck yeah, support those bands. Like, like help them build the memories that are going to last a lifetime. And, and you build those memories along with them. Like that's sick. And then, you know, if we happen to be playing that show or you got some extra attention, like we totally appreciate it. Hell yeah. That's great insight. And I definitely appreciate you taking the time to do this. This conversation has been so awesome. I 
thank you for doing this seriously it, it, it means so much to me just because i'm like i said i think the first time i ever saw you was at santa fury 2009 and if you told me back then that I'd be doing a podcast with you, I would not believe it. So seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. But before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Yeah, man. Thank you. So, um, uh, so first, thank you. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And again, like the fact that someone's interested in doing an interview, like, like in some way we came across each other in 2009, it's 2020. (laughs) Like that's sick. Like how lucky am I? that 11 years later, you still care to some degree. So like, thank you. Like, that's, that's awesome. And man, like playing the punk, that's like, if you have some level of ability to keep up that connection and that activity, that's a huge blessing in life. So thank you. Um, I do want to shout out. So a couple of things, a uh, new record is coming out in 2020, some ish point in the spring. Um, it will be on react records in the States. Um, it will be on Refuse Records in Europe, and then on tape, it's going to be on uh, Life Liar Regret in Australia. And then I think someone in South America might put it out on CD, I'm not sure. Um, but we're definitely going to be out torn on it, so if you want to check it out, just you know, check out the Bandcamp or whatever ways people listen to music. Um, I want to shout out Punitive Damage. They're awesome. Uh, good friends of ours. They totally rip. And the Days, uh, which is our bass player's other band, with a guy named Nate who sings. Uh, Berthold City, uh, really good friends of ours. Scowl, who are totally, totally sick, uh, good friends of ours as well. Um, and there's just tons of cool bands out there. So, like, one of the things I, I really want to shout out is, like, we are in this crazy time. Small businesses, like, don't worry about the big businesses. Like, they've got their money. The government's going to hold them up. You know, like, whatever you say, like, these companies are all going to be fine. And I work in the corporate sector. So, like, I come from somewhat of an informed position. Like, those companies are all fine. Don't don't sweat it. Um, not that punks are sitting around sweating either about corporations, but like, don't worry about it. But what isn't going to be okay is small businesses. And I'm super passionate about this. Like small businesses need us right now so much. If you have 20 bucks extra, get a gift certificate. If you have 20 bucks extra, buy a band's t-shirt, buy a record from a record label, um, get something from your local coffee shop, like buy someone a gift certificate from a restaurant, do DoorDash, whatever it is, because those businesses are full of people who had a dream and they had the guts to follow their dream. And like, there's something so admirable about that. Like people who are like, I'm going to start this thing, this business, and they put their life into it. So think about the screen printers right now who aren't making any money and they, all of the money they've sunk into their equipment and Think about the photographers. Think about all of these people who are like kind of not typically thought of as a small business. Anything you can do to support those people right now is utterly crucial because people's dreams are on the line. So that's the the big thing I'd shout out. And again, thank you so much for your time. All right. Well, there you guys have it. This has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast. Always on top.